Hello, Win Colin. The Oklahoma Sooners take down the Kansas Jayhawks 52 to 42 is a huge offensive explosion. We're going to break it all down on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can read my work covering the Oklahoma Sooners over at thesoonerswire.com, and you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Sooners. He's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref. And Norman, Josh, we got a W. How sweet it is, right? Back into finally, back into the win column. And in terms of conference play, finally, finally, period, into the win column. Not back into the win column, into the win column for the first time, obviously, uh, this season for Oklahoma. I just, I don't think we can overstate the importance of this win for the Sooners. We said it all of last week, the necessity to Man, to avoid this thing from going completely off the rails and completely unhinged, you had to find a way to come home, beat Kansas and Norman. And regardless of what the, you know, trajectory of the game itself, offensively, defensively, what it looked like, there's a ton to be excited about offensively. Obviously, defensively, some questions still coming out of this thing. But the way that you found yourself into the win column, I mean, Really, it's as simple as you head into the bye week now. You've won a game in conference. You needed to beat this Kansas team at home with them playing a backup quarterback. And ultimately, John, uh, regardless of, again, how it looked, Oklahoma found a way to win 52-42. to And right now, for the Sooners, man, for Ben Venables, for this program, any kind of a win, you're going to take it. I think a lot of people last week, myself included, were just hoping for a more competitive team a more competitive effort than what we saw against tcu i mean we're we're tossing the texas game out the window for the most part because they just didn't have their full complement of offensive players obviously dylan gabriel being the big key on that front and so looking at back to the tcu game like it was also a rough stretch even with dylan gabriel in but oklahoma just came out of the gate on fire just really efficient hitting all their their marks running the ball well, throwing the ball well, and ultimately ended up with 701 yards of total offense. Dylan Gabriel threw for 403 yards. As a team, before they started kneeling down at the end in the final minute, they rushed for over 300 yards. Now, the official stat book will show 298, but this was a team that rushed for over 300 before they started taking negative plays to to milk the clock. But it was just a really dominant offensive effort from this team. And it, and it all starts with your quarterback. I mean, having Dylan Gabriel back, it's clear how much of a difference he makes for this team. Obviously, against TCU, he wasn't on. But I think we what we saw on Saturday against the Jayhawks was a quarterback that when he is on, he's about as good as it can be in the Big 12 when you're throwing the football. Now we just got to hope that he stays on each week and that we get consistent effort. Now, Kansas's defense... It's not very good, but I mean, they were only allowing 26 points per game coming into this thing and Oklahoma doubled them up. 
you don't do that without having a really strong offensive performance. The coaches, I think, came in with a really, really good game plan. There was really good balance throughout. So just a huge effort. Eric Gray was phenomenal in this game, 176 rushing yards, two touchdowns. The dude was just electric. And I posted it on our Locked On Sooners Twitter account, just his game log from last year and how it still makes me sad to look back at that. And you think about games against Iowa State, Baylor, and in the second half against Oklahoma State, and you're wondering, how can this guy not get more touches with the explosiveness that he has and his ability to make people miss you know, at the line of scrimmage and in the open field? I'm just thankful we're getting to see it now. Hopefully, you know, it'll continue. I hate the idea that maybe he's going off to the NFL next year because that means that we won't get more Eric Gray, but the dude's just been phenomenal this season. Yeah, again, I mean, just so much across the board to really like about what Oklahoma did individually, collectively, offensively, you know, and, you know, actually kind of one of the beautiful things is some of the mistakes that Oklahoma made offensively in this game. I mean, the the Sooners rack up 700 yards of total offense. You mentioned it, uh, 400-plus throwing, let's call it 300-plus rushing in the game for the Sooners. And, you know, the interception that Dylan Gabriel threw in this game was kind of kind of curious right I mean did was that a miscommunication between he and the receiver so that was a mistake there the option play where he fumbled it the the first time Dylan Gabriel fumbled it I don't know what happened uh, on that play other than just completely uh lost track of the football for whatever reason untouched so with all of the positive things that happened it actually could have been even a little bit cleaner performance John and you know, the, you know, throwing the football for Gabriel he finishes what 29 of 42 I'm looking at here passing one interception and I think now we're kind of coming to the realization that this is, you know, should not be a shocking thing to say, but at times Dylan Gabriel is going to miss some open receivers, right? I mean, and, and I think we saw that again in this game versus Kansas with all of the great things that OU did, Dylan Gabriel at times had some guys that he just missed on some targets. And I think now kind of the the proof is in the pudding there that that's something that you're probably just going to have to expect. Yeah. There were a couple of throws where you're like, Oh man, he's got Marvin Mims. That guy's got a step and it just sails. It It's going to happen. You're going to miss throws down the field, but he completed 69% of his passes, which is pretty good. Like that's really good. And they weren't all just dink and dunk throws all the time either. I mean, he had just doing the math off the top of my head, 13, 16, 22 passes from 10 yards in, uh, but he threw the ball beyond 10 yards, six, 15, 16, 19 times beyond 10 yards and had a really good completion percentage on that beyond 20 yards. He was two, four, sorry, three of six, which is really good. If you're completing 50% of your passes beyond 20 yards down the field, that's a pretty good rate in my opinion. Um, And so while there were some misses, he was money. Like he was throwing dimes on a lot of occasions and you know, the, the receiving core, Marvin Mims, Braden Willis in particular, like those two guys feasted. <laughs> I think we can, we can safely say that Marvin Mims was fed in this game. He ended up with uh, 15 targets according to pro football focus. I know on the broadcast at one point in time, they said 19 targets. I've seen 18 targets in different places, but the dude was getting the ball his way a lot and he rewarded Oklahoma Braden Willis's game. It's this is the game that I was expecting from him at several times this season. He was one of my players that I was kind of pegging as a breakout performer for this team. 
And that's exactly why, because he can do everything really well in the running game and he can make you pay in the passing game. His touchdown reception was a thing of beauty. I dubbed him ballet Braden on a unlocked on Sooners Twitter account because it was just tight rope in the sideline and was phenomenal. Uh, should have had a pass interference drawn uh, down there around the gold line, but the refs just kind of ignored the tugging on his shoulder pads as the ball kind of sailed beyond him. So really good game back to your kind of your, your thought on Dylan Gabriel in the interception. I do think that that was one of those situations where Gabriel was expecting the wide receiver to continue to run through the route. And he put it right where he would have been had he continued to run and the defender just kind of stepped into it. I mean, it was right there, but had the receiver continued his route and not stopped short, I think either it's an incomplete pass or if the receiver is able, able to make a strong play on it, then it's probably a reception too. So that's kind of where I was with that. And I think the turnovers, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. The mistakes are unfortunate, but like you said, if they play a cleaner game, maybe they put 60 up on the board. If they manage the last minute drive in the, at the end of the second quarter, if they manage that better, Perhaps they put 60 on the board. So while we can nitpick some of these mistakes and nitpick some of these, these, you know, calcul- miscalculations of time management, a phenomenal game still. And it was impressive that really the only thing that stopped Oklahoma, aside from that goal line stand, was Oklahoma. Kansas forced one punt in the first half. And I, need to look back but i don't know how many i don't think they forced many punts in the second half yeah oklahoma didn't punt oklahoma didn't punt in the second half at all they had they in so first half they went touchdown touchdown fumble touchdown punt touchdown touchdown and then the turnover on downs at half and then in the second half it was touchdown the interception touchdown fumble field goal and then end of the game so Phenomenal performance, a very efficient performance. I mean, anytime you run a hundred plays, you're feeling really good about yourself. Yeah. It was really kind of the first time that we got probably what was the, the full Jeff Levy offense experience in a game, right? Let's talk a little bit more about that. Let's talk about the importance of what Eric Gray and others did in the backfield. I think, uh, you know, obviously rolling into a bye week it's just, look, we, we cannot downplay the importance of Oklahoma having this this type of performance headed into a bye week. I want to tell you about Simply Safe Homes. The numbers, John, they don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people they've chosen Simply Safe Home Security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of uh, that many people without doing something, right? At Simply Safe, your your safety, that's the only thing that matters. They protect you with cutting-edge security technology powered by 24-7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. Here's some of the reasons why I love it. With 24-7 professional, professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agents, they call you the moment a threat is detected. Imagine that. Yeah, I mean, you're getting a call as soon as there's a problem. They dispatch police or first re- responders in an emergency. That's uh, even if you're not home or you can't be reached. Simply Safe, it blankets your home in protection with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door. HD security cameras for inside and outside your home. Smarter ways to detect motion that only alerts you when a threat is real. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com backslash locked on college. That's simplysafe.com backslash 
Locked On College. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive mar- monitoring plan and get your first month free. Again, visit simplysafe.com backslash locked on college to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. So we had touched on this past week just really the imperative nature to enter the bye week with a win. And, you know, we're going to have a lot of time over the next couple of weeks, John, I think, to just kind of really drill down into the importance of that. But uh, just surface level, the importance coming out of this football game, John, I think one of the most important things for OU is just the way that they offensively dominated up front. And listen, is Kansas, does it boast one of the best defensive lines that Oklahoma is going to see the rest of the way? No, it, it does not. But for Oklahoma to rush it the way that they rushed it throughout this game, for Eric Gray to do what he did, for Javante Barnes to uh, to add a couple of touchdowns himself as well, John, I just think, again, especially going into the bye week, I just think so many positives that Oklahoma can take with them into obviously what is going to be the home stretch of football that is really going to define whether or not you know, there's maybe some fans that have already made that mind up, John, that this is not the season they were hoping it was going to be for Oklahoma football. But listen, if, if they win out or they win, what, uh, all but one of their remaining games, then all of a sudden you can kind of feel like you got something out of this 2022 season. So just the the positive nature up front, I think, is imperative for this team going into the bye week. Yeah, you hate to go into a bye week with a loss. You especially hate to go into a bye week with four straight losses. Uh, And so, yeah, it was huge for this team to get a win and to play as well as they played offensively, especially. And I mean, we'll have a chance to talk about the defense, but they had some good moments. I mean, there was a stretch, you know, towards the end of the first quarter, you know, through about midway through the second quarter, about five minutes to play in the second quarter where Oklahoma, their defense forced punt, punt, got the interception and then forced a punt like that was a really good stretch for the Oklahoma Sooners defense. Now it didn't necessarily last. Kansas was able to start putting some things together and, and scoring some points, but it's something to build off of. It's something built, something that they can take into the bye week and like, all right, look, here's the positive. Here's what we did well. As they also try to you know dissect what they didn't do well. It's always great to be able to layer a negative with a positive and, and to be able to do that. You got to create some positives on the football field and they did that. So, you know, shout out to them. You don't win this game without the defense making a few stops. And they did that. You know, the first quarter looked like it was going to be a back and forth shootout all game long. And then Oklahoma started making some plays defensively, forcing Jason Bean into some mistakes. At one point in time in the first half, he was just like 11 of 22, you know, passing. Not an efficient first half, but I think the Oklahoma defense was actually, you know, doing a few things to make it difficult for him to make some plays. So, you know, got to give a little bit, a little, little kudos to the defense on this one because, they actually made stops. It wasn't completely a sieve. Like they weren't completely just getting blown away all game long. You touched on the offensive line and how they, how well they ran blocked, run blocked, ran blocked, run blocked. Pass protection I thought was also huge in this one. Dylan Gabriel was only hit one time and that was the sack, which was just a great play by the, the defensive end. He just blew right by Wanya Morris who, held him and they still gave up the sack. Uh, so that's fantastic. Only pressured three total times, according to pro football focus with the one quarterback hit, which was the sack. You keep your quarterback clean like that. You're going to win a lot of football games. Now they were missing their, their best defensive end, Lonnie Phelps, who had six sacks going into this game. He only played a few, like maybe a handful of snaps. 
but they did what they had to do against the rest of the unit and they played really well in pass protection and credit to Jeff Levy also for having a game plan that was going to get the ball out of his hands relatively quickly, but he was getting it downfield quickly as well. So offensive line was fantastic. It's just a lot to like. And I think, yes, big picture view for this team. You've got something positive to build upon as you get ready for now, Iowa state in two weeks, which is going to be a tough game going to Ames, playing a defense of that caliber, it gives you something to be like, all right, our offense is clicking. We found our stride. We're going to be able to do some things moving forward. Easily the best game, right, up front. I mean, just across the board for Oklahoma along the offensive line. I mean, whether it's uh, just this group, Chris Murray, Wanya Morris, Anton Harrison, McCabe, Mattaglia, and Andrew Rame, if it's just that that cohesion finally coming together, if it's a little bit of you're playing this Kansas team, I'm, I'm sure it's a combination to some degree of that. But, uh, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, look, I can sit here and talk about the rushing yards and Eric Gray and what Devontae Barnes did, but you make great points on the way that Dylan Gabriel just got to sit back there, survey, and really make throws all day long, John. Well, and what really stood out to me as I'm looking at the snap counts from Pro Football Focus is that Robert Conjol, he played 60 snaps in this game. McCabe was higher, only played 41. So, like, they were rotating the two of those guys at left guard. You, you know, your other four offensive linemen played all 101 snaps. Anton Harrison, uh, Chris Murray, Andrew Rame, Wani Morris. They played every single snap in this game, and so did Dylan Gabriel. The only five that played all every single snap on the offensive side of the ball. So is there a little bit of a competition brewing again at left guard? Was there was there an injury that that popped up that kept you know McCade out for a little while? I'm not sure. I didn't notice anything. I don't remember anything from the broadcast that that had him sitting down. So it'll be interesting to follow that little nugget as we you know continue to move forward, did Robert Condrell, you know, earn some playing time uh, with his performance and practice. And, and so they started to rotate him in. I don't know. It'll be something interesting to watch. I just found that that was really, really interesting because, you know, we'd, we'd had this group of five basically pretty well set in stone from the, from the beginning of the season. Now to see kind of another guy kind of earning some time, earning some snaps, it'll be interesting to see how that continues, you know, going down the line. Um, I, I think that, it's, it's good to see that this team was able to respond. You know, we, we, we talked about how important it was for them to rebound after Kansas State, and they kind of fell flat a little bit defensively against TCU. Offensively, they, didn't, they weren't clicking early in that game. Texas was a wash, just completely. Again, if, if you're going to throw a game tape out the window, you throw that one out, you launch a grenade at it, and you set it on fire. You never speak of it again. But this team came out of the gate flying. It's their first opening possession touchdown since the UTEP game, which I think is really important. That's key too, is being able to start fast. You got to score. Like you can't just talk about starting fast and then not score points. You got to got to be able to score points on those opening drives because it really does set a tone for everything else that you do as a as a team, offensively and defensively. So it was. I think that was a huge key for them in this game is to be able to get the first points. And then to be able to respond to Kansas's points through the first quarter and match them score for score. And then once your defense kind of settled in and started making stops that you took advantage of that offensively and started putting points up on the board yourself. No doubt. And I think you hit on the most important thing coming out of this game is for Oklahoma, they win a football game and now you can take some confidence here moving forward. There's winnable games the rest of the way. I mean, I think the way Oklahoma's offense played, it can beat everybody on its schedule. 
everybody remaining on its schedule if uh, they can shore up, just get a little bit better, a little bit better defensively, John. I mean, we saw, like you said, stretches of some positive defense from Oklahoma. I don't think we saw a ton of it and certainly not enough of it. But, you know, for Oklahoma, man, I think clearly the way that, again, they started fast, like you just said, and really carried it throughout the whole game to the tune of 700-plus yards. I mean, look, if you didn't know it going into this Kansas game, it's obvious that the Oklahoma offense that we saw Kansas State and before, it's back, right? I mean, this is this is a good offense. I'm not here to say it's one of the nation's absolute finest offenses, but it's a pretty darn good offense with Dylan Gabriel out there. And they can beat everybody the rest of the way if they uh, you know, find a way to just improve a little bit, I think, defensively. Yeah, we'll talk more about the defense on the other side of this, but let me talk to you about Bet Online. It's your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. As always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information. They got the, the game lines, the over-unders, the money lines, everything that you can need. It's the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to Bet Online or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online is where the game starts. So defensively, Josh, we've kind of touched on it several times now throughout the, the show, but I think it's kind of important just to spend a little bit of a segment on that because there were some positive things to take away. But at the, at the end of the day, you still gave up 42 points. Uh, at the end of the day, you allowed you know Kansas, who we you know all last week we talked about how this was a good offense. You know, Kansas racked up 430 total yards, uh, 165 yards on the ground, 22 first downs. Uh, the thing that I think they did better in this game that they've done than they've done in the past was uh, stopping Kansas on third down. You know, coming into the game, Kansas was converting 55% of their third downs, you which was fourth in the nation. You held them to five of 11, so less than 50% conversion rate on third down. Absolutely huge. After Texas was able to do whatever they wanted to do on third down, you improved, you got better, you made stops, got off the field. Uh, but ultimately, like, you know, Brent Venable says it. He says best is the standard. And while they did do some good things in this game, there's still a lot that they got to improve upon. No doubt. No, no doubt they have to keep getting better. They have to keep getting better. I mean, look uh, – now, you know, it's, it's probably worth pointing out, too, on the defensive front, Oklahoma had some large stretches of bad in this game defensively, okay? Let's get that out of the way right off the top. I'm not trying to sit here and ignore that. But Oklahoma's offense actually put them in a couple of bad spots with the turnovers that they had in this game that directly led to, I believe, 14 points for Kansas in the game. I think they scored twice off uh, the – pair of Oklahoma turnovers in the game. So, you know, 14 on the board in some form or fashion, you can actually attribute to the offense's mistakes. So don't, don't forget about that for uh, Oklahoma defensively in this game. Uh, obviously you mentioned the, the third down conversion percentage defense. We said, you know, really probably you were going to be able to, to determine whether or not OU won this game or if Kansas won this game based on what that number looked like because Kansas came into the game so good in the third down conversion percentage department offensively. And OU, uh, actually, that number ended up a little bit better later in the game for Kansas. Earlier in the game, I think that was trending in a, a better direction for Oklahoma You know, earlier, and then Kansas got a couple of conversion tries late. I thought at times 
OU was uh, better against the run in this game. I know the final numbers don't necessarily bear that out. Uh, I'm looking here, Kansas rushed for 4.7 a carry, but at times Oklahoma was was good defending the run. And we kind of talked about that too, which was, you know, at this point, is Oklahoma going to be this smash mouth, knock you at the point of attack every snap, rushing defense? No, I don't think that's very realistic to have that expectation with this Oklahoma team. But can you be competent defensively defending the rush? And I thought, really, we kind of saw some of that from OU. Yeah, I think so too. I think they did a better job at, you know, just getting into the backfield a little bit, making plays, you know, stretching plays along the perimeter. And, and, and it's a lot of the things that Brent Venables was talking about when they run wide, being fundamentally sound and forcing plays back inside or stretching them to the sideline as a unit. And I did, th- I do think that they did a better job at that, um, you know, tackling. It's just going to be what it's going to be. I mean, they've got good players on the other side. They're going to, you're going to miss some tackles from time to time. Still the pass rush, not really there. You know, Jason Bean, I felt like he was, mostly comfortable there were a few times where they got a little bit of pressure but he was able to elude it or get outside the pocket and find some space um, and make some things happen a few interesting notes on the defensive snaps like that i found i found were kind of fascinating so ethan downs only plays 18 snaps in this game um amongst your edge rushers your defensive ends that was let's see behind jonah laula behind r mason thomas behind Marcus Stripling and behind Reggie Grimes. Like that was fourth in snaps uh, among your kind of primary defensive ends there. So I thought that that was really interesting. Also, we got a little bit of a taste of Robert Spears Jennings, which I mean, the one play that he was, that he really stood out was, I mean, just chasing Jason Bean, you know, kind of stretching him out down the sideline and then just putting a hit on him. I thought that was impressive. Like it's a small thing, but when the quarterback runs and you get an opportunity to hit him, like hit him hard. And he did that. Like, I think that's going to be one of those that like, as the coach, you know, goes through the coach's tape and they kind of highlight some things like that'll be a play that they highlight. He didn't let up and just kind of push the guy out of the bounds. He played physical, he played physical. And I think that'll earn them a little bit of, uh, or earn him a little bit more playing time. Um, Jaron Canick, he played seven snaps. I guess we're still, I'm just not going to get him on the field very much. Cedric Roberts played four snaps. So you kind of, your young guys starting to get into the mix a little bit more. Um, and one guy that you know I think played a pretty good game um, overall was Deshaun White. I thought early in the game he was struggling a little bit, especially there were, there was an option play where I felt like he made a he just didn't know what to do or he 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 took the quarterback and let them pitch it outside and there was no help outside. But I feel like as the game wore on, he started making a lot of plays, whether it was tackles or batting down passes, almost had an interception, if I remember right, getting, you know, got pressure on being at one point. So I thought he played a pretty solid game. Um, and then we got to talk about CJ Colden, dude. This is two weeks in a row now with the interception after I feel like he was kind of mostly absent for the first you know four or five weeks of the season. He's really come on strong. And is that what led to DJ Graham's move from cornerback to wide receiver is the, the, the play of CJ Colden either in practice or in games, because you know, Colden ended up playing uh, 22 snaps, um, you know, Woody Washington, key Lawrence, Jaden Davis kind of led your defensive back group. Uh, Justin Broyles had a bunch of snaps, but then after that four, CJ Colton was kind of the next defensive back on the field for you, uh, for Oklahoma. So just really interesting note there. And, and he makes plays like he's made two plays each week using that athleticism and coming up with picks. 
Deshaun White, by the way, uh, did have an interception in the game. Okay, that's and, it. Uh, and, and I think you're. I, I think he almost had another one too. So I, I, I think. He, I think. I think you might be uh, right on the money with that. C.J. Colden, though, that interception that he had, little tip drill up to himself, and then just obviously, uh, you know, able to complete the play was was pretty impressive. On really a pass that if he doesn't find a way to, you know tip that football it's going to be a completion if I remember right by the Kansas sideline and instead uh, obviously he breaks it up and winds up with what was an acrobatic interception so you you could be onto something else there too that yeah because of what they've seen some of it from CJ Colden that that has given the Oklahoma staff some comfortability in terms of making the switch from DJ Graham from defense back to offense obviously we know DJ Graham has a, a history playing wide receiver in the past and was, you know, really, really talented in that regard before he arrived at Oklahoma. So, I mean, maybe it's just a matter of, you know, also offensively for the staff kind of surveying the landscape that they currently have and saying, you know what, we could use one more skill guy offensively. I don't know. That, that'd be a good question to ask the coaching staff this week, just kind of drill more down into the, the how and the why sort of all of that transpired with DJ Graham. But Man, you're right. I mean, obviously, uh, C.J. Colden, that's a, a big piece of production that he's added the last couple of weeks for Oklahoma for a defense that has sorely needed someone back there, John, to either come away with the PBU or, you know, the electric interception play. Yeah, 100%. A couple more guys we need to highlight in this one. Drake Stoops, I thought, had a really solid game again. Four receptions for 43 yards. And then he had two carries for 23 yards all week long last week. We talked about let's not run the jet sweep with Drake Stoops. Jeff Levy comes out, and it's very effective with Drake Stoops. So I will no longer ask for them to stop running jet sweep with Drake Stoops. Um, Dylan Gabriel completed four or more passes to five wide receivers. I mean, they had seven wide receivers catch passes. Gavin Freeman with the big one. He only caught one pass, but it was a huge play. But I love the distribution where you can have four guys, or sorry, five guys catch four or more balls. It just takes the pressure off of everybody when you have that kind of um, output, that kind of production. Jillo Farouk, four catches on four targets for 42 yards. Theo Weiss, four catches, 56 yards, and a touchdown. Again, we talked about Marvin Mims, nine for 106. This might be the, like the lowest um, – like if you're going to get a hundred yard game from Marvin Mims, I don't know if there's a game where he's averaged, you know, less than 15 yards per reception and also had a hundred yards receiving. So very interesting, more of a possession receiver type game for him. Um, you know, and then, you know, weight room, Willie just coming up big five for one Oh two and a touchdown. So just a really, a really solid performance all the way around, uh, for everybody. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be fun to just kind of see how this team builds off of this effort. How good is Eric Gray? I mean, that's something probably we got to talk about this week in a little bit more detail. I mean, some of the moves that he was putting on folks in the Kansas second level and beyond, he uh, he's a tough guy to bring down. He finished with, let's see here, 8.8 .8 per carry. So he is really, really running it well for Oklahoma right now. I know we touched on the offensive line, but part of the reason those numbers look so good is just how great Eric Gray was in this football game. So all around, it's a victory Monday, ladies and gentlemen, 52, 42, the Sooners have won a football game. Unbelievable. Yep. 
And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in and joining the show wherever you get your podcasts. Again, we're free and available on all platforms. Make sure you go to YouTube, hit the subscribe button over there as well. And when you're done listening to this show, go check out a great Locked On Big 12 podcast hosted by our guy, Josh Neighbors. Every day, Josh hosts, and he brings on local experts as well to take you across the Big 12 in 30 minutes. Make Locked On Big 12 your second second listen every day uh, here on the Locked On Network. For Josh Helmer, I'm John Williams. We'll catch you next time. Boomer Sooner.